Welcome to the Ninja Tune Podcast with myself, DK, and today we'll be talking to Lars Hornveth from Miyagi Yazist about the new album Starfire, which is out on Ninja Tune. We hear about growing up in Norway and forming the band over 20 years ago, plus moving to LA and how the new album was recorded, and of course some of the music that has influenced him over the years. After that, as always, we'll hear some of the new music that's coming out on the Ninja Tune family of labels, including tracks from Lee Bannon, You, Seven Davis Jr., Rosso, and Marabou State. This week at Ninja Tune HQ, we're joined by Lars Hornfeth, the main songwriter with Yagi Aziz. Our guests now are pretty much veterans of the Ninja Tune label. Welcome along. Thank you. The band originally formed in 1994, and uh, you had a few releases before joining Ninja Tune. How did that relationship with the label first start? Yeah, it started uh, actually when uh, we had recorded. Uh, a Living Room Hush, which was the f- first album on Ninja. Uh, we recorded that in 99. And uh, my brother Martin, he went to a show uh, with the Cinematic Orchestra in Oslo. And um, went to the ch- that show and uh, he gave uh, like a, a mini disc to, uh, I think it was the tour manager actually, because Jason Swinsko who worked at Ninja at the time, he, I think he had to go home because of his wife or something. So he didn't actually play the gig, uh, yeah, with cinematic, which is kind of absurd. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the tour manager gave that uh, mini disc to Jason and uh, a couple of months later, uh, we read in this, I think it was like DJ Mag, uh, and uh, Jason listed our album uh, as like a kind of like an up and coming thing or you know like white label uh, non not released thing and uh, he listed that so and then I th- what I think happened was that uh, a guy in Belgium Kurt uh, who works for the 
AB club in Brussels. He booked Yaga uh, to Brussels, and uh, and he also booked Jason and Dominic uh, Smith, who worked as an A and R for the Ninja then uh, to DJ that new that that night. So that's how we met, actually. So they went to the concert, and then uh, next Monday uh, we signed with Ninja. But before that, we released the album. The Living Room Hash album was released through uh, Small Town Supersound, which is a Norwegian label. Small Town had that for like six months or something, and then Ninja took over and re-released it. How familiar with Ninja June were you? Were you, you know, following their output, listening to their stuff at the time? Yeah, absolutely. We were listening to, uh, especially Cold Cut, and uh, you know, but you know, Cinematic and uh, a bunch of other things at the time. So we were into that. Scene, yeah. Did you find a new audience once you started with Ninja Tune? A new audience, what listening to your music and, and coming to your shows? Uh, yeah, I, I would think so. It's uh, it's hard to tell because you know Ninja. You know, we basically started you know playing outside of Norway with Ninja uh, as the label. So it's, uh, but I, I think it's been uh, it's been really good actually because uh, you know Ninja has distribution all over the world and so it's been very very good for us to to go uh, to new places new countries and there's always an audience for us uh, which I think is hugely uh, a ninja tune thing and uh, also just being in a, a musical like scene uh, if it's like post post rock or electronic or whatever it is it's like geeky scene so uh, it's been really positive for us, I think, to, to be on Ninja.
when the band started in uh, in 1994, as you say, you were just 14. Tell us how that all came about, because you've got a brother and sister yeah. involved. Uh, no, we you know we played in a few other bands at the time uh, and before that. Me and my brother especially were listening to. It's kind of schizophrenic the whole thing. We were listening to a lot of Norwegian jazz, which is kind of it's it's a very very different thing to say uh, even English jazz or American jazz. It's a, it's a very special thing for Norway, and uh, so we were totally into that thing. But at the same time, we were very much into. Uh, the hip hop scene, so we were listening to a lot of like De La Soul, uh, NWA, uh, Public Enemy, uh, Tribe Called Quest, that kind of thing, and we we're also listening to a lot of electronic music and so we and rock music. We we're kind of all over the place. So, but the main inspiration for starting Yaga was this uh, band, a Norwegian band called Oslo 13, which is uh, it's like a, it was a 10 or 11 piece band, instrumental uh, kind of modern uh, jazz music. Uh, so we wanted to make a similar band that we could write music. And uh, so at the time we, when we started the band, we were, I think we were four, four or five of us that actually you know made new songs every week and we rehearsed at my uh, mother and father's house um, in my brother's room. And we were like 14 people in the beginning there, in this small room. And um, so, what we wanted to do was like just to write music, and 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 we're totally all over the place. It's like the first album was like a lot of hip hop and rap songs, and combined with like I don't know gypsy music and and uh, you know rock <laughs> or whatever. It was like a very the first album is all over the place. Um, so that, that's how it started and then, you know, after a few years when we released the second album, uh, the magazine EP, I think we, you know, got into shape in a way, like, or like at least having uh, more, um, uh, we, we knew more about where we were going, basically, musically. But uh, the biggest change for us were uh, the... A Living Room Hush album, uh, where that album we made with uh, producer Jürgen Trien. Uh, so that was the first time we worked with him and uh, I've been working with him ever since. So we've been, with different projects, me and him, we've done 22 albums. Um, and uh, he's a, just a fantastic producer. And then he changed a lot with with, uh, with Yaga and the way we thought about music. And so uh, that was like a big thing for us. You mentioned Oslo 13 there, and uh, that's one of the tracks you've brought in. So tell us a, a bit about that particular track and what, what it's called. Uh, yeah, the, this this track is uh, from an album uh, with Jon Balke. He's the, the the main composer in in, in that band, and uh, he's been my like biggest uh, musical hero uh, forever, I guess, and still still is. He's a great piano player and great composer and and uh, he's got a very special style of playing piano as well as like you can totally hear that it's him or I can hear it you know very 
very much. And uh, so this album is called Noncentration, and uh, the track is called Nord. And um, it's uh, it was a you know a big inspiration for us in the beginning there. Cool. Okay, well, let's have a, a quick listen to that. You obviously mentioned jazz there, and it, it always seems like there's, there's always been a, a healthy jazz scene in Norway. Um, certainly, you know, there's the Molde Jazz Festival, which is the oldest in Europe, older than Montreux, I believe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So were you, were you exposed to a lot of that growing growing up as a, as a child? Was it through your parents or, or friends? Yeah, or? kind of. Uh, you know, uh, my parents, they were really active like locally uh, in the you know, amateur music and theater scene. So we kind of grew up with a lot of musicians and, and actors and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> when I was like 10 years old or something, nine years old, I started like really going into the Norwegian jazz uh, scene and, and being, you know, reading everything I could about it. And I was like a you know big fan of a lot of that stuff. Um, and I still am, you know, to some extent uh, there's a lot of good music that happened in you know especially through the ECM label so uh, you know uh, those old timers Jan Garbarek Teddy Ryptal Svein Finder there's a lot of them you know like in the 70s like late 60s early 70s there's a lot of good albums going out um, and uh so you know, we, we started you know with that as an inspiration, but you know from the beginning of we we didn't really want it to play like that kind of jazz at all. We wanted to combine it with all kinds of different music that we were inspired by. So it was never never like we never played that kind of jazz. I would say no.
did you share similar musical tastes with the other band members uh, when you all started obviously with your your family but the others that joined you at the time where where did they fit in and and yeah they um i think most of those guys they didn't know much about what we were listening to because because although we were really into the jazz scene and, and everything the, the other people they you know weren't into that at all so i think that was like part of the the magic <laughs> i would say uh, in the beginning there was like that we uh, introduced that kind of music to a lot of people you know um, so the band in the beginning there it started with was basically like two two groups of friends so um, started with like my brother and and his friends and including me and uh, and this other guy Ivar and his group of friends so like uh, a lot of people that came from, you know, like playing in school bands and stuff like that, and we were super young, you know. So uh, most of the guys in the band were like 16, I guess, 16, 17, and I was 14. So, <clears throat> so uh, the f yeah, like I said, the first album is really uh, uh, versatile, <laughs> and uh, it's strange to listen to it now, of course. But you know, we I was. 14, 15 years old, so I'm not that ashamed of it. No, no. And um, when, when did this kind of the full musical experimentation kick in? I think it was there from the beginning. I just, I just think that we had uh, a very different approach to what we wanted, you know, because it was like a lot of humor involved in this as well. We dressed up with costumes and, you know, it was like, uh, I, I, I was always really... I don't know, serious about music, so I wanted to, to make it uh, more, not like a comedy act <laughs> in a way. So it took a few years there before we like found found a, a way that we wanted to go. And I, I think especially with the um, Living Room Hush album, that's kind of where we found our sound in a way, or the way we were, want to work, that, that kind of thing. You obviously mentioned sort of the, the hip hop influence in the, in the first album, and you brought in couple of tracks is there one particularly from that period um you know uh i think with the first album uh, you know some of those tracks uh that we recorded then was kind of inspired by de la soul at least tell us about the de la soul track and uh, we'll have a quick listen on, the, on uh I, I think it's it's one of my favorite de la soul tracks it's from uh, the three feet in rising album and uh, it's got like uh, yeah, Q-Tip and uh, the Jungle Brothers also uh, on that al on that track, and I just uh, I, I just love the, the way it it sounds, and I also love the like the you know the De La Soul has always been like about like more like a positive side of uh, or more intellectual hip hop, uh, which I really like. Cool. All right, let's have a great listen then to, uh, to De La Soul. Buddy on this plate, but before we let the herd out the gate, make sure all the levels are straight out the jungle. The, the jungle, jungle, the, the brothers, brothers, the brothers. De La Soul, from the soul. Black medallions, no gold. Hanging out with paws, hanging out with mace. Buddy, 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 all in my face. Fold the lap, 
Jim Browski must wear a cap Just in case the young girl likes to clap Ain't for the win, but before I begin I'll initiate the buddy with a slap Now for the next I'm the cutie from a tribe called Quest And when I quest for the buddy, I don't fess For my Jimmy wants nothing but the best The best? The best Let's stick out Jimmy and see what we can catch Stick him up, stick him up, Jimmy Next Won't be needed unless Jenny wanna get right to the flesh that was uh, Buddy by De La Soul, featuring Jungle Brothers and, uh, and Q-Tip. How would you say your sound has evolved over the years? Obviously, you mentioned your producer that um, you've been close with, and obviously that relationship between you and your producer, from what I've been reading, you know, seems very important, and um, not necessarily looking for someone with the same that shares the same kind of tastes as you. Tell me a bit more about that and how their relationship works. Yeah, it's it started. Uh, the way it started was like uh, my brother was listening to an album w- which he produced and and recorded with a band called Sister Sonny, a Norwegian band, and he just loved the way the drum sounds. And I guess you know that's always the case with the recordings: is how does the drum sounds? It's like that, that's the most important thing. So uh, so based on that, we we uh, we approached uh, Jürgen Trien. And got him to record and produce uh, produce uh, that album, A Living in Hush. And uh, most of the songs were pretty new at the time. I think we had 14 songs, and 10 of them came out on that album. And um, he basically just, you know, treated us as a remix project. Uh, we came in with like the live versions of of. Uh, of uh, those songs and I think he basically hated most of it to be honest which I love about him you know like and and he did he tell you <laughs> no no he was like subtle but but he 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 did a lot to change uh, what we were doing there which which I totally love and I, I think that's you know the main reason we still work together is like he's he's coming from a very different uh, musical world than I am uh, from and uh, so he he basically has very different ideas on on uh, how to approach the music um, and and we loved it you know we we, we were like totally open uh, on that album and we just wanted wanted him to be like uh, George Martin basically and just change whatever like you know we're to- totally uh, respecting what you're doing and but of course it's a it's a co- collaboration you know it's not like I'm we weren't we weren't sitting back in you know in the sofa and relaxing we were totally on it it's just that he uh, he uh, had so many new ideas and and uh, and this was like a new time for recording as well you know the Pro Tools was this is like 99 so Pro Tools had been around for maybe two three years so he, he's basically like he was the fastest and and best like Pro Tools guy in Norway um, and still is um, so it just changed the whole approach for uh, how, how we made albums and after we record that album uh, we had to you know learn how to play this uh, these songs live and, and try to make the live production uh, similar to the album and that also changed a lot about like how uh, especially the keyboard player and the, the guitar player kind of took the responsibility of those like the electronic sounds so it changed a lot about like how the the roles in the band were 
recently moved to Los Angeles, well, a few years ago now, uh, after many years in Norway. Um, in what ways did this sort of new environment inform your sound? Was, did, it, did it change you as, a, as an artist? Uh, probably not as much as uh, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's, I've, I've actually been doing this for years. Uh, I've always tried to go to, uh, to uh, a different city or like be two, three months a year somewhere to write, basically. Uh, usually that's been in New York, last, like last 10 years or something. Uh, I don't know, Los Angeles is uh, it's a very nice place to... You're, you're very much capable of isolating yourself, which I like. Uh, and I had I rented this fantastic house in Echo Park, which had a great studio in the backyard, so it's just like a, a perfect place to, to work and, and live. Um, so I was staying there for a good while and uh, just enjoyed you know, being there and meeting new people and but I think, you know, uh, musically it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit corny for me to say that it's like very inspired by Los Angeles. Um, but one thing that I've, uh, that is kind of, uh, true though, is that, uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, I didn't have a license for driving. So it was kind of a pain in the ass the first six months there um, and this was before uber as well so so uh, I was constantly you know uh, had to you know have friends to pick me up and stuff like that and so I moved back to Lo to uh, to Oslo for a while and then took my license and then I moved back to Los Angeles and then I just enjoyed driving basically and that's what you're doing there over there <laughs> and uh, listening to music in the car so I was listening to a lot of uh, house music and especially John Hopkins uh, the, and uh, Todd Teddy uh, in the car and like and I just like the the way they do their like build-ups uh, it's very different you know musically it's Todd Teddy and, and uh, John Hopkins is not the same thing at all but that was kind of like a, a big inspiration for me and that that was when I figured out like the the approach for the new album was like I wanted to make an album which had longer songs and uh, fewer layers on top of each other so instead of instead of having you know a lot of stuff going on at the same time I wanted to stretch it out and be more um, sparse in a way but of course that was the idea you know when two years later when the album's actually out that's not what you think uh, when you listen to it it's still <laughs> a lot of layers and stuff going on but you know anyways the 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 the, the approach for the album was like to to make these long songs where you you think think about them more like I don't know acts more like more, almost like classical music you know, you don't you don't think about it as songs uh, where you waiting for the chorus to happen any minute you know so that was the approach uh, really and the the recording process that you had I, I believe you sort of had your band members over more more individually rather than as a collective yeah uh, how did that work is that was that different from how you've done previously yeah absolutely you know partly the reason I moved to Los Angeles was that uh, so many of the people in the band had kids 
uh, younger kids, so, which is a fantastic thing, of course. But it made, like, it was difficult before that. Like, logistically, you know, everyone has a bunch of different projects going on. And then suddenly people have kids as well, and then it's like, everything's just a, you know, you get a no, basically, from everyone. Um, so I was just tired of that, I didn't want to do that. So I just moved and uh, thought, okay, if we're going to do this album, I have to do most of it myself, at least in the beginning, and then uh, then we can, you know, bring in the other guys after a while. So it's the first year or so I was just doing this by myself. And uh, another thing about this is uh, the way we usually done it before is that we uh, we need like three or four months or something to rehearse. And, uh, and especially me and my brother, we're fighting all the time uh, about music, but it's, you know, it's like, you know, brothers fighting. It's not constructive at all. So I was really tired about that as well. And also, you know, for the other guys in the band to like listen to us fighting all the time. It's like, it's, uh, it's, it's just a pain in the ass and, and embarrassing in a way. So, so the approach was like to, instead of, you know, having that environment to work in, let's just do it like one by one and one and one. And, um, and then people can relax and, you know, come with ideas and be more a part of the production than we have before. So, um, so that was the approach really. And, uh, so the guys that had, you know, some time to, to work with this was basically, uh, the keyboardist and guitar player. So they, they have been the, the, the guys that have been most involved in the album, uh, at least in the beginning. And, uh, and then, you know, I, uh, I got the guys, some of the guys to come over to Los Angeles and record a few songs uh, in the house that I was living uh, in at the time. And then uh, a month later or something, the guitar player came over for 10 days and we worked on another song and then, and it's been like that, you know, and so it's a, it's a really, we, we didn't rehearse at all uh, before we started making this album and uh, so it's very much constructed and, um, but it's, you know, this, this isn't any, this is a very normal uh, way of making albums these days anyways, it's not like, it's not like a, there's anything special about it. The only thing is that we were used to being, you know, a band with uh, nine people in the same room and uh, doing it that way. So it's, it's you know, it's... Uh, well, I think musically it's actually been uh, more creative now and I think all the guys in the band are really happy with uh, the album and, and how they contributed to the album. Well, as we're, we're talking about uh, LA, let's... Uh, you got another musical choice and NWA um, but d yeah tell us a bit more about that track that was actually the first album I've ever bought I bought it together with my brother uh, the 100 miles and running uh, EP I just basically love that uh, that EP and uh, <laughs> I remember being a, a DJ at like a, a youth club in my hometown and I was thrown out for like a couple of weeks or something because I played that second track uh, which is uh, basically uh, all about like this girl like introducing the the, the best ways to uh, to uh, do a good blowjob <laughs> so when I was like 11 or something so <clears throat> so I can see that but um, 
yeah, it would usually into to NWA and uh, of course other things with like Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and but you know same time listening to Public Enemy, which has a very different approach to uh, to hip hop, I guess, and and De La Soul, and you know we're kind of all over the place. But I, I love the production and the, you know the the way those guys swings when they they rap is like very yeah it's amazing. any you know any musical reference points for this album at all uh, you obviously you mentioned uh, you were listening to John Hopkins and uh, Dr. Rie. Uh yeah those were you know important uh, I, was, I don't know I, I think inspired by uh, the Swedish band Dungen and uh, Tame Impala uh, there's a lot of references I, I would say like justice for something uh, Norwegian band Reiksop. Um, uh, what other things? The thing we always try to do is basically to hide those references as much as we can. Uh, that's kind of the approach when we make music. So, but for me, of course, there's a, you know a lot of references to to to, to different things. Another band which I love is uh, Ele- another Norwegian band called Elephant Nine. And uh, so the third track on the album is very much inspired by that. It's like the the whole kind of hippie acoustic guitar thing, and then combined with what I like when I 
started working with it, it was more like um, inspired by um, uh, a song called Machine Drum on uh, the last Portishead album, actually. Uh, so it's kind of combining the the hippie stuff with the more you know electronic stuff. I also read that you, you thought about songs as both the original and a remix in one. Can you just explain a bit more? Yeah, I think it's uh, you know especially on the song Oban that's uh, more obvious. I, I would guess. I think that song you know could have ended after like ten minutes or something, but then. We instead of ending at that point, with uh, my approach was to make like a remix of the song as the outro of the song. So, uh, so the outro of the song is more like a house kind of uh, build-up um, of the verse which the song starts with. So, so that's uh, uh, that's also you know, it's it's clear maybe on that song, but you know we had that approach on other songs as well. That, you know, you try to uh, try to as good as you can to uh, to make the uh, the same kind of themes in the music uh, when they come the next time. It's it's, it's going to be in a very different way, basically, and feel like you come into another room, like musically. So that's been the approach. I, I like having like you know bigger you know big dy dynamics and uh, big changes so that's at least what, what I'm aiming for is to do stuff like that is it particular pieces of gear that you use for this album or you always use that are your that are your favorites um on this album uh, I basically you know since I did most of this album in Los Angeles I had a more limited uh Studio, so I bought uh, a Prophet 5 uh, synth, which I used a lot, and then I also bought this uh, pocket piano synth, uh, which I bought at this uh, store in Los Angeles called Big City Music, and that's the reason that <laughs> that song is called that. Um, so that that little synth is actually all over the place on that this album. It's like an arpeggio synth. But you can also use it to program other synths and you know just use the whole MIDI thing, go crazy with it. Um, I think you know with this album, we, we basically I, I wanted I wanted to be as far away from the previous albums that, as possible. So that meant basically you know using a much more electronic uh, sounds and you know much more synth sounds and kind of get away from the more proggy sounding um, uh, one-hour bandit album nothing wrong with that album it's just that you know the way I make music it's I don't know I'm kind of stuck in in uh, I have like a very strong uh, sense of uh, how I, you know how I like to make melodies uh, so I, I think a, a big part of what we're doing is to produce the songs around that in in different ways because I don't know. I always always try to get out of the the kind of melodies I'm making, but still, it's there. <laughs> so uh, so the production has to be very different. So that that's at least what we're trying to do. Hmm.
let's let's have another track you from your selection. Tell us a bit about the uh, the motorcycle. Yeah, uh, that song is from an album called Blizzard. It's uh, the song is called STG, and it's like a seven eight minutes like long rock build up song. Uh, motorcycle was like hugely influential for us uh, in the mid 90s I guess and uh, and uh, there's some tracks that you know are really inspired by that band uh, I'm not sure how much you can hear it but it's especially on uh, the 1997 album magazine EP there's a couple of songs there that you know very inspired by this band uh, but mainly like the inspiration for this uh, with this band is is also like their their motto which uh, has been you know to try to make the uh, the the opposite of what you did the last time so that's always been our motto as well it's almost impossible to do that of course but that's what we're trying to do um, and it's you know keeps things fresh uh, and uh, I still, you know, that that band is, has been going on for like probably 25 years or something now. They're about like 10 years older than me, I guess. Uh, and I, you know, uh, after being a huge fan of them in for like five, six years or something, I started to play with them quite regularly for a couple of years, uh, which then it, of course, lost, I lost the whole magic, you know. Uh, about being a fan it was kind of disappointing really <laughs> uh, actually because you know it's it's such a good thing of you know i, I like the the whole concept of like being like a tired hard fan of something but then you know if when you're in the same tour bus and talking about the same stupid things it's not it's not the same anymore <laughs> it's a kind of lost his Often magic say never meet your idols yeah it's good always uh, yeah. disappointing all right well anyway let's have a let's have a listen to uh, Motorcycle and uh, track STG.
Okay, you, you obviously mentioned you perform with uh, Tortoise and obviously Motorcycle as well, and uh, collaborated with the sort of Todd Terrier, uh, amongst others. Um, who's on your wish list to collaborate with in the future? I'm a you know I'm, I'm a big fan of John Hopkins basically, and he's a big inspiration for me. That would be amazing to work with him um, uh, as a producer or whatever. Um, so other, you know, um, absolutely other things that I would like to work with, but uh, I don't. It depends on you know stuff that I personally would work with, or if it's for Yaga, it's a different thing. Um, I think uh, with Yaga, we uh, we always get asked about you know why don't you have vocals and stuff like this. It's a very strange question for me because it would be. Uh, I think, you know, adding vocals, for example, to this music would, you know, make it sound so much more like everything else, basically. Uh, so, yeah. Right, you're, you're embarking on a, a big North American tour now? Um, and, and what else? Norwegian shows? Yeah, so we start, start out in Los Angeles uh, uh, on June 17th, and then I think we have 12 gigs in... Uh, uh, the US and Canada. Uh, really, you know, looking forward to that. What uh, What can we expect from the Starfire live shows? Uh, it's going to be pretty intense. Uh, we we added like five or six synths to the lineup, <laughs> and uh, our light guy is, uh, you know, he's going to make a quite psychedelic uh, uh, visual show. Uh, so I think it's going to be pretty massive. I hope we can play long concerts. I'm, I'm not sure about, you know, uh, times and everything uh, right now. But, you know, we usually play like two, two, maybe two and a half hours. And uh, that's what that's at least the way we like to do it. Later in the summer, we're playing a, a few shows like festivals in Norway. And then and then um, later on this year, we're going to, you know, do a European tour and then back to Japan and back to the States again and so it's been going to be a lot in the future it's a busy year yeah <laughs> well the the album is, is out now um, it's sounding incredible and, thank you and um, I'd just like to say thanks very much for coming down today thank and, you and uh, we, we look forward to at least another 20 years of Yagi Yazist <laughs> thank you thanks very much attention to just some of the new releases coming out on the Ninja Tune family of labels, kicking off with Marabou State featuring Pedestrian and a track called The Clown, which is remixed by Axel Bowman.
The Axel Bowman remix for Maribu State from their album Portraits on Counter. Next, it's Seven Davis Jr. with Fighters, and that's from his album Universes, coming out on Ninja Tune. Swinging, holding their weapons and guns They come out swinging as if They are the only ones tired of injustice Tired of pain, everybody screaming But their words are all the same They want war, they want blood They want war, they want to fight They want war, they want blood They want war, they want to fight But do they even know what they're fighting for anymore? Do they even know what they're fighting for anymore? Do they even care what they're fighting for anymore? Do they even care? That was Seven Davis Jr. with Fighters. Next, it's London producer Yu with Easy Prayer from his EP coming out on Technicolor. Decide Who Comes In EP on Technicolor. And next it's Rosso with a track called New Glass and that's coming out on the Big Dada record label.
Rosso with New Glass. And finally, it's Disney Girls by Lee Bannon from his album Pattern of Excel, which is released on Ninja Tune. was Lee Bannon from his album Pattern of Excel and that's it for the Ninja Tune podcast our thanks once again to Lars from Yaga Yazis for coming in and Tom for co-producing we'll be back once again with another edition soon